Hello and welcome to our first guest episode of this season on Kohler Commentary. And today we are in for a treat. First off, we have your all-time favorite guest host with a voice like butter, Dr. Matt Kohler joining me today. How are you, Matt? My husband. Hey, I'm pretty good. Excited to be back. I'm excited for the guests we have. I'll start off the, the new season with you by your side. Okay. For our day one listeners who have encouraged us from our previous marriage reflections, you know that part of our journey involved some struggles within the church as well. And we wanted to share with you today a huge praise report with so much joy and gratitude to God for providing a community here in Dallas that we are blessed to call our home. With that, Matt made sure he was on for today's episode as we get to welcome our leaders, Pastor Yoon and Becky Lee, onto the pod to share the journey that led them to this point as church planters here in Dallas. Um, so we have Pastor Yoon and Becky, his wife Becky, and they together have led various ministries from education to missions. Pastor Yoon was a lead pastor and head of an international ministry that was responsible for six different language ministries with over 40 nationalities while working with and currently part of international organizations such as Lausanne Movement and the World Evangelical Alliance. Uh, just before they came to Dallas to plant the Blessing Church, Pastor Yoon was at Tapestry LA as the missions pastor leading both local and global missions and also spent a year at the Church of Southland where he served as an associate pastor while Becky led worship. Together, they enjoy the simple and slow things by helping create space for people to be themselves, and we have definitely felt that presence cultivated in the short time that we've known them. So, without further ado, welcome you both. Oh, welcome! <laughs> you know, Matt, your, your voice is like butter. I feel really... Oh, I've heard Sweet. that too, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I agree. He never listens to any episode that has his voice. Yeah, I actually hate it. Yeah. I, I hate even listening to like our vows because I don't like hearing myself say them. I, I hate listening to myself <laughs> on recording. Do you like listening to your sermons? I hate it. Uh, yeah. For the voice part or just in all yeah, just, the insight? It's just like cringe overall. Like, so I don't watch myself or listen to myself. Interesting. <laughs> what about, do you like listening to your singing voice? No, I don't like uh, listening to myself at all. Am I the only one then? <laughs> yeah, that's, that says something about you, probably. Yeah, probably. Anyway, so Pastor Yoon, you and Becky are now our appointed spiritual leaders, but we also like just met. Uh, Matt shared some of y'all's facts. But can you share who exactly is Yoon Lee, the man behind the black tea? <laughs> Just spitting uh, bars. It's, it's actually, yeah. So, you know, if you guys come and visit, I'm probably 90% sure I'll be wearing a black t-shirt. And, <laughs> as and, today. As, as I am today, you know, I got to stay true to form. Actually, I got a Christmas present for you guys. It was a very nice black t-shirt and I try yes. to wear that as much as possible. Um... Yeah, for me, aside from everything that you guys mentioned, I'm actually from originally from Chicago, so I'm a Chicago guy. And then after college, I came out to L.A., or I went out to L.A. and spent about eight years out there doing ministry and seminary. I met a lovely lady out there, and uh, she just was head over heels for me. It was a long journey, long process. Um <laughs> And so uh, we got married out there. We got married in 2009. I got ordained in 2009. Uh, and three years later in 2012, the church that I was a part of, or the denomination, they invited us to, to come out to Korea and, you know, be part of the ministries that Matt had mentioned. Other things, like I'm kind of like a, 
I think the biggest compliment that I've gotten gotten was from my brother-in-law. He's also a church planter in Montreal, and he said that I was a hipster before it was a thing. So, uh, oh, so wow. I'm just like you know into like the you know the slow things like sourdough. I was trying that a long time ago. Like kefir, oh. uh, roasting my own coffee, and wow. all those things. Not because I was cool, but because I was broke, and you needed to figure out a way how to how to do these things without without much money. So yeah, I'm kind of quirky like that. What made you even want to go on this path? I know you're a PK. Mm-hmm. Did that at all ever like make you not want to be on this path, or was that uh, oh like I like I like what I saw and I oh, want to yeah, also that's, do? That's really interesting. Like um, yeah, so my father he was and he still is a pastor. He's seventy four okay. years old now, and then he just mm-hmm. started another church oh. at the age of seventy. So wow. he's still going strong. I think for me, my dad being a pastor didn't really you know it wasn't something that I was like, oh yeah, I want to be a pastor too, like my dad. It was it was something I respected. It was a life that I really enjoyed, but it wasn't like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to be a pastor myself. But for me, my journey was more through realizing that I wanted to disciple people. And initially, I thought that I would disciple people through being a teacher and a football coach. Mm-hmm. And so my first year in college, I was an English lit major. I was playing football on the team. It, it might be an oxymoron, yeah, like a, mm-hmm. a jog reading Shakespeare. And, you know, the first year, I, I really struggled through my courses. Like, I, I'm a slow reader. Uh, Matt's probably a great fast reader. I really don't have a critical lens as far as like English lit and that's what you need. Also with football too, I realized I didn't really like football. In the middle of that first year, my freshman year in college playing, I realized I didn't really enjoy it. And so I kind of sat down and took some time to process and pray. And I was like, God, why do I want to go back to my old high school and become a football coach and and, uh, English teacher? And, And he kind of revealed to me that it wasn't English or football, but I wanted to shape people. I wanted to disciple them. And at that time, I was at a school called Wheaton College outside of Chicago, and it's a Christian school, Christian liberal liberal arts school, and uh, they really have a really strong biblical studies department. And he kind of showed me and said to me, there's nothing better than scripture. Like, there's nothing better Mm -hmm. to shape people with than scripture. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I became a biblical studies major. And ever since then, like, it just took off, like... Even the most dense of materials and courses, like it was just so engaging. Like, and I had the classic nerdy professors. Like, one of my professors literally had the glasses, bow ties, and susp- suspenders, and he was an Old Testament archaeology type. And and even in that class, I was like, oh my gosh, God is so amazing, you know. Wow. And so, and I think before, you know, the sixty-six books of the Bible, they were just like a random collection of books put together. But mm-hmm. after studying it in undergrad, like it became one story of God's redemptive love for his people. And so, yeah, so all that to say, like, my dad being a pastor, didn't that didn't really influence me. And funny enough, I actually got to work under my dad after college when I was in seminary. And he hired me onto his staff. And as we would go home, he'd try to convince me to do another profession. He'd be like, hey, why don't you become a lawyer or a doctor? And I'm like, dad, you hired me. <laughs> this is kind of weird. Like you hired me, but now you're trying, you're trying to get me to, to go into another path. Yeah. So not really my dad, but really, I just felt like God put that in my heart. And I realized that throughout college. So yeah. It's interesting. I kind of had a conviction moment because we were talking earlier that like, I love fantasy books so much because I get lost in the world and the world's so appealing to me. And I see like I picture this place that just like feels exciting to be in. And 
I just was picturing myself reading scripture and even like seeing, being a part of that world and seeing Jesus and like the, you know, quote unquote magical, but powerful things he does. And I, I, I don't get lost in that in the same way. And <laughs> I think, no, but, but really, I, I think it's, it's a good, real no, it's a good reflection point for me of why, why that is like what's missing in me that doesn't feel that in something that was like, you know, a very real and the most important thing that I could be immersing myself in. Yeah. I don't know. Random side thought that mm. felt, I felt convicted about. Well, I feel like Matt's going to read the whole Bible tonight. I know. Cover to cover. Bible challenge. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is super applicable, but we're going to reveal a part of you here on the podcast uh-huh. since we are doing kind of a, in the lens of the Enneagram mm-hmm. and Pastor Yoon, you are an Enneagram. One wing nine or nine <laughs> wing one. I'm not sure. It's still, it's like chicken, chicken and uh-huh. the egg. I'm not sure which comes We're first. We're going to go with the one today, but right, even as you guys listen and if you guys want to like, you know, collaborate and say, no, I think Pastor Yoon's a nine. We're open, right? We're open for, for both Pastor Yoon and Becky, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But as an Enneagram one child, there might've been an internalized message of it is not okay to make mistakes. And I was curious if this was something that resonated with you at all. If yeah. so, do you have a memory you can share? Yeah, you know, actually, fun little tidbit before we start. I thought the Enneagram was pronounced Enneagram. I thought it was until French. Until today? <laughs> no, until, <laughs> actually, kind of recently. Oh, okay, I was like, until this very moment. Um, so uh, I kept on calling it the Enneagram, kind of like I call uh, Lululemon, Lululemon. Uh. And so, <laughs> These are all very hipster things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to set the trend. <laughs> but I think just that whole idea of it's not okay to make mistakes. So looking back in my own life, I'm not sure if, I was a one to begin with, or if I learned how to be a one, but I definitely like growing up, my parents were immigrant parents. And a lot of times in the immigrant household, there's uh it, it can get turbulent because, you know, your parents are trying to adjust to a, mm-hmm. a new culture, a new country. And my dad was church planning at the same time. And so I realized that like to make a mistake just added to that turbulence. And so I would try to not rock the boat. And so I think for me, like to make a mistake, whether it be like at school or just at home, uh, that wasn't okay. I think my parents would, obviously they would try to parent us, but then internally I, I realized, you know what, I'm just going to try to stick to the rules and then everything will turn out to be okay. But I, I think also as a nine, it's also like that peacekeeping mm-hmm. harmony type thing going on there too. So I think, yeah. And so I think growing up, I d- definitely did have that internalized in me pretty early. Yeah. It's kind of cool to hear that it's not just the pastor kid pastor part, but the church planting DNA strand uh-huh. of uh-huh. that as well. Is there things that you try to do differently today because it seemed like a more turbulent atmosphere in that sense? Yeah, I would say I've gone through a long journey now. So I've been in ministry since 2004. And I think being a one is great, like creating order and structure. And we're all about redeeming the good and we're reformers and all that. But then I think like most things, wisdom speaks to you and it shows you when to apply yourself and when to withdraw. Hmm. And I think if I were just like a one all the time, I'd make church very difficult for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, and I probably wouldn't be enjoying ministry at all. Uh, and so I think throughout the journey, God has actually broken me out of this like 
tight oneness identity and showed me that like he can work outside of the one. Mm. I've shared examples with Becky in the past. So I was formerly a pastor at the world's largest church. Um, we had 800,000 members and I was in charge of this one trip where our senior pastor and all of our elders were visiting Chicago. We're actually visiting my old, old, old school. I was in charge of all the hotel bookings and, and all the trips, yada, yada, yada. And it seemed like that week, everything failed. Like everything just blew up in my face. And then I remember thinking, because I'm the one that picked the hotel. On that whole block where all the hotels were, our hotel was the only hotel where the power went out. (laughs) And then we had to get to a a meeting at 7 a.m. All the lights are out. There's no power. No one can really get ready. The head elder came down and he's like looking, you know, he's looking for blood. He's like, you know, what's going on? And I just remember thinking, like, I can't turn the power on. Like, and I think God was whispering to me, he's like, even this is outside of your control. Like, you can mm-hmm. try to control things. You, you can try to make order and structure. But it's ultimately, you know, ultimately, I'm in, I'm in control. And, and that's kind of like one, one negative example. But, but positive examples are, like, when God does amazing things outside of things that I plan or outside mm-hmm. of my oneness, he still works. And so I think right now... At this stage of ministry in, in my life, being a one is good. But at the same time, I think I'm now wise enough to know when to apply that and when to just like hang back a bit. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if that actually answers the question. I probably would. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part, I think, talking later of just how you guys want to set that culture here and learning more about that. But I think it's so important that we look at the Enneagram to see it as a tool, but then Mm -hmm. not make it everything about us. So I love that that's already something you've reflected on and implemented as a one would. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, transitioning to to Becky for a little, A, the opportunity to fill in the gaps of this story of of you just, you know, deeply pursuing, you know, but also, no, it's interesting because we met you all well, just a few months ago, right? We've only ever known you on this role. So I think it's easy for me to think that, oh, oh, like Becky must have always felt this huge calling to like be a leader in the church and to be a pastor's wife. And you have like a very strong presence of being both a leader and like a supporter. I feel like you do both things truly well. So that's like, I see you that way. But curious if you always saw yourself in any sort of like this kind of role or if life really maybe took you in a different direction than you initially thought. And then I guess separately from that, just how, you know, your husband's kind of, his calling challenged you and kind of grew you in your own calling. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for seeing me that way. <laughs> I, yeah. I never feel like I've, you know, stepped into that role. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think my mom's always prayed for me to become a pastor's wife. So it wasn't a surprise wow. when I got married to a pastor. It's only because her, her mom wanted my mom to be a pastor's wife oh. and my mom refused oh. and then she said but I promise she put it upon you yeah. <laughs> and then and then her prayers were so strong that both wow. my sister and I are both that's true wow. yeah wow. I'm like mom your prayers are too strong <laughs> yeah but um yeah so it wasn't a surprise when I got married to him but you know of course you don't know what what the journey you know is like ahead of you. But there was this one point at the beginning of our marriage where we went to like our mentors and I posed this question. I said, okay, now I'm a pastor's wife. How can I look the part? Mm. And she's straight up this old, um, older, um, wise woman. She said, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you, mm. you're not supposed to be this cookie cutter person. You are you. And you just happen to have to wear a couple more hats, you know, and you keep your relationship with the Lord going. And, um, 
and then you're just responsible for a couple more things. And it really liberated me from having to look a certain part. Mm. And it freed me from expecting other pastor's wives to look a certain part. It's just, you know, so I think that's helped shape like uh, the beginning of our marriage. And then I think just the way that he's been called to ministry, it's helped me in so many ways. I think on a very basic level, you're always having to do stuff with the church. And so when, when your feelings come in the way, and you'll find out what I am later. Maybe you'll pick up on it now, but <laughs> your feelings you have to put aside mm. and you just have to do what comes with the territory. And so there was a lot of navigating of, I'm feeling this and I wanna be seen and yet mm. I know that I need to put it aside. Oh. And that's really hard because this day and age, it's all about self-care and I need my boundaries and I need this. And really God, when God calls you to marry somebody like a pastor or who, whoever it is, you have to just kind of suck it up and just mm. do what comes with the territory. And so um, that's shaped me to be, become more creative in how I have my outlets. Mm. Um, it's helped me to put my emotions aside, which is something I needed to work on. I didn't know I needed to. So that's all just on the personal level. I mean, spiritually too, it's helped me grow so mm. much. Just getting to know how he experiences God is so different from the way that I experience right. God. And so that's a whole nother topic too. But mm. um, I'm so blessed by just watching him lead us as a family and, and, and the church so mm. i don't know it's just such a strong identity i feel like like pastor's wife mm -hmm. have you do those feel very separate like your identity as a pastor's wife and your identity as like you in the rest of your life or have you like learned how to merge those to feel mm -hmm. kind of like united in like a single identity that's a great question <laughs> thank you <Yeah>. um <laughs> yeah it's you know what? Now that you're asking me, and I feel like it's now become like a part of who I am. Mm. I think I'm the same person I am at church as I am in my workplace. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's merged. I, I'm not. I don't turn it on or off mm. anywhere I go. That's good. Yeah, that's probably tough, but or at least takes practice time. I don't know, but yeah, no, that's that's cool. Mm. Well, I kind of want to reveal the Enneagram part right now because sure. I feel like what you were saying really clicked in the in the sense of you were going between two numbers when we recently talked about it but it's almost like you had to transform into that because you were actively putting your emotions aside from what you were sharing because mm -hmm. for Enneagram 4 which is what you initially typed mm -hmm. is very in tune with emotions and aware of emotions right and beauty and creating and, and like being that like seen in those ways however even as I was listening to you there was a part of you that almost felt like those things had to not be there because of the role you are in right and there are so many things you, ha you guys have to face in ministry and sevens actually like hide or like suppress or say no to any pain or emotion and so that's kind of interesting to hear and so maybe while you're still a four at heart a lot of your outwardly behaviors now portray more of that seven that that you were sharing earlier but anyways all that to say <laughs> i believe becky's a enneagram four or seven so you guys can kind of also yeah. be open to sharing what you think but an enneagram one and an enneagram four if you guys know about the paths so there's a stress path and a growth path of how you guys kind of um, resemble certain character traits in those times in your season. And so you guys are in each other's paths. How cool is that? When uh, I'm healthy, uh -huh. I go to a one. Uh huh. And when you're healthy, where do you go? When you're unhealthy. I don't know. So as a one, go you go to Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Ain't laughs> that was a trick question. Um, seven, actually. Oh, but okay. the cool thing about so as an uh, but unhealthy could be a four, but the cool thing about what I'm learning is 
ultimate healthy mm. would be a healthy four. So like in your stress, you might resemble the stressful parts of a four, but when you are even even more healthier than the growth path of a seven, you actually would resemble the most healthiest parts of a four, which is Becky. Yeah. So kind of like oh. not to dwell too much on the one and four and all those path sure. parts, but how do you guys complement each other? Because it already sounds like with emotions or other things, mm -hmm. you guys would be very different. Um, over the years in mm -hmm. ministry, how have you guys been that team for each other? I was thinking about this because I think not only in ministry, but just in our relationship. Mm. So I'm, I think in the beginning, I was a very strong one mm. and just about principle and work and, you know, getting things right. <laughs> and then, you know, she was a four, like getting in tune with the feelings that are in front of her and, and, might I interject? We had, yes. We're seeing Becky shake her head. We right had, um, we listened to an Enneagram coach, like a professional, uh -huh. and, the, and she said that, he asked, he said, how are, how is the relationship between four and a one? And she said, that's actually the hardest combination ever. Yeah. So I'm sorry, keep going. Like we'll, we'll tell you the good parts, but right, but at the beginning of marriage, it was yeah, really hard. I, I can't, yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> and so I think for me, like, I have very few emotions or maybe just a couple that are very deep. So I, I think I realized that I am an emotional person. They're just like, they're deep in there. Um, mm -hmm. But I think throughout our 13, 14 years of marriage, we've actually drawn the other aspects of ourselves out. So I think for me, Becky has drawn out. So, you know, she's like a four and a seven. I think she's really drawn out that playfulness in me. And I think she's given me an environment where I can, it's okay to, to feel certain things. And I think one thing that I really appreciate about her is, I mean, she'll, she would ask me, oh, how do you feel about this? Or, you know, what are you, what's your emotional state and all that? I think as I've been growing in my own emotional journey, she's made, made it feel safe for me to, to express, to, mm. to, there's like no wrong emotion. Like I can, I can just feel what I feel. And she trusts that that's part of my spiritual growth and process. And so mm. I think throughout the past 13, 14 years, like I've been, tapping into that but also like i've also been more playful because you know ones don't know playful <laughs> emotions we just know like principles and, and getting things done so actually i think i've been more healthy uh, or been i've been healthier yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he's gotten silly oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. what does that look like <laughs> you don't want like to <laughs> is that is there egg yolk in that <laughs> no no, even, no not, the, not the egg yolk but yeah, he'll just crack a lot more jokes. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, you smile a lot, I notice. That's, yeah. You can smile. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but right? I think, no, it's something that actually has stood out. Like, I've, I've actually Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that too. That actually, we've never talked about more this than ourselves. A lot of other guys smile, or <laughs> especially other pastors. Um, That's yeah, I don't really have any follow up to that, just an observation. <laughs> echo that observation yeah. and i've noted that too i was like oh i like it when pastor yoon smiles so we probably there's probably some depth to Maybe. that in the work know. you've done together i receive it yeah <laughs> yeah i think like for me as a four i heard in another podcast that four struggle with the ping pong between the head and the heart and they mm -hmm. never actually put it into action mm. and so i think for him being a one he's really good at creating systems and orders for me and so i think mm. in, even in the house if I'm thinking about something and I'm convicted by something, but I never get around to it, he'll help me process it. And then he'll help me to find like a solution for it, which 
I don't know. It was really helpful. Yeah. Like one example is, you know, I never know how far to park the car in the garage. Mm-hmm. And he just said, Hey, I have a really great idea. He, so he put painter's tape right where your eyes are supposed to be when you park. Mm-hmm. And it's just one less thing to think about, you yeah. know, but it's those little stressors that kind of get in the way of your, your mm. flow. Right. And so I appreciate those little things um, that he does. And I think one more thing is that when we first got married, I couldn't see beyond his detail orientedness. Like uh. he was so, if for lack of a better word, he was so nitpicky. <laughs> I used the word suffocating more <laughs> in that year than like oh, ever in my life. Yeah. And I was like, and you know, my upbringing is I could do no wrong in my dad and my mom's eyes. Like I was, mm. I was always encouraged. Mm. Right. And he's like, why did you do it that way? Why did you do it that way? Why, you know, and do it this way, double check this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, um, but I think after, yeah, many years of being in ministry with him, I began to see that his detailed orientedness creates order Mm. for something bigger. Mm -hmm. So like for the ministry, for the worship space, everything that you see at the church, like at the blessing church too, there's a reason why the lights get turned off at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why songs are kind of picked in a certain way. Not that he picks the songs, but there's intention behind everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I appreciate that more than seeing him being nitpicky. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for the detail. Mm-hmm. He cares about the people and he cares about the space. And so I appreciate that now, even though I couldn't see it when we first got married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I'm hearing a lot of qualities in Pastor Yoon that I feel like you wish I had. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the what's coming to my mind. <gasps> the painters did yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Really helpful. So yeah. It's it's funny. Because like, I think for ones, and I'm going to speak on behalf of all my one brothers and sisters out there, like details and order, it really provides life. And so I think we're, I mean, I think when we're unhealthy, we just look at the principle or the rules or, all, or you know, what, the structure. But when we're healthy, we provide these things that hopefully provide life and goodness. Mm-hmm. And so like one little, little thing, you know, when we're at a church right now, we're in a very, or we were at a very small, like recreation room. And so the biggest thing is, I think for me is for people to feel welcome to have fellowship with each other. And so in the first couple of weeks, it's really tight. And I think people were trying to be helpful. And so they just start stacking the chairs and putting them away right after service. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell all the volunteers, don't put the chairs away. And they're kind of thinking like, wait, I'm trying to be helpful. Like, mm-hmm. why are you guys, t- why are you telling me not to put the chairs away? Because for me, yeah, it's nice to have, you know, all the chairs put away. But putting chairs away is a visual cue that we're all done. Mm-hmm. And it makes the newcomer kind of feel like, oh, I got to leave right now. Whereas I want people to mingle. And so a little thing like not telling people, hey, don't put those chairs away yet. It can, can sound nitpicky, like, why? Well, we're just trying to help. But I'm thinking of the guy who just came in, and there's usually about a one or two minute window where people will linger just so that they can engage in conversation. But once that window passes, they're kind of gone, and they may not return. They may have said, you know, I'm going to give it a shot this Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just put myself out there. But if we're preoccupied with putting chairs away, that guy or that girl who came out they may not not engage in relationships so all those little things there's always a bigger reason for it you know mm-hmm. so um i think that's so important because not that we are an asian church but it is like starting off with that's the heavier ethnicity uh-huh. right and for asians right doing doing or like let's let's help let's clean up for you to be able to see that and then say that is important for members who would have to, like you said believe they're doing the right thing or the helpful thing yeah. but big picture 
sure what is what is more helpful or yeah. what is more powerful, yeah. which is you know loving on the the newcomers. Yeah, so I, yeah. I I did notice that too. I was like interesting because you would then say it after the announcements, yeah. like make sure no one puts it up. Yeah, and like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then that freedom to mingle yeah, um, becomes yeah. available. Yeah. Obviously, I think you guys have shared how you guys have been like shaped by each other, by your experiences. And right, so many years of that is, you know, you being like a pastor and you guys having experience within the church. I'm just curious, now that your role has shifted to church plant leaders, still a pastor, but mm-hmm. almost like the big thing right now is like establishing a new church. Mm-hmm. Like how, how different has that looked and felt, whether it's like challenges or just different ways of thinking or approaching. Just curious how, kind of what that shift has been like in y'all's mindset and in how you guys are doing that together. Because this is your first church plant together. Correct? First church plant, yeah. yes. You know, it's interesting because um, I, I meet up occasionally with a church planting kind of guru guy in, in the Texas area. He's actually, huh? he started Exponential. Exponential is probably one of the largest church planting uh, networks in America. And then he came here and he's starting another one uh, called Nexus. And uh, we got connected through a mutual contact. And uh, just a few weeks ago, he asked me how the church plant was going. And I told him, oh, you know, we're at this place and you know, there are this many people coming and, you know, offering looks like this and we have this set up and and he was like oh how many months have you guys been up and running i'm like oh maybe two months and he's like and he looked at me he's like that's very unusual for a church plant i'm like why is that he's like usually right now at two months you should be knocking on doors and like just handing out flyers and uh you shouldn't be at where you are right now and so what i took from that was i realized that we were just really fortunate you know a better word is we were really blessed to already have a group of families uh, and a group of uh, people that wanted to do church and right away and so Mm. i was ready for the grind like i mean i was ready to just you know get to work and face a lot of challenges but it's just really in i'll honestly i'll use the word enjoyable past three months has really been enjoyable and so i know that this is not the typical church plant phasing and and timeline but i've been enjoying it yeah would you say the same yeah <laughs> yeah it's been really good good yeah <laughs> so i guess that's a good segue into sharing the church plant what's the name what's the certain like hard facts and then more broader mm-hmm. is like people might want to know like denomination or ami what is that or vision like logistic things like that um mm-hmm. so i wanted to start there before then we ask some more deeper questions within it for someone that's listening to this and wants to kind of know what they can expect in like the elevator pitch what would you guys share yeah so the name of the church is uh the blessing church uh, <laughs> We are a church for the greater Dallas area, and we just had our soft launch, and we're going to have our hard launch in February, February 26th. Mark your calendar. Mark your calendars. <laughs> uh, and so I think the differentiation between hard launch and soft launch, honestly, it's more mentality. And we're kind of giving ourselves room and grace to make mistakes right now. And so, yeah, we're, we're in soft launch phase, but even though it, it already feels like a church that's just up and running, we're part of a family of churches and, and we're very specific in that wording. Uh, we're not part of a denomination. Uh, we're not a network, but we are a family of churches and we actually have close to 20 churches domestic and uh, a lot of missionaries abroad. 
And yeah, we are in one spirit. We are very mission-minded. We're scripture-based. And so we, I think one big phrase that we like to use for ourselves is radical middle, meaning both uh, scripture and the Holy Spirit. We want to be focused on growth within, but also serving those who are without. We want to be domestic and international. And so, yeah, it's just a very vibrant uh, family. It's, it is a family. We had uh, one of our pastors come this past weekend and he kind of feels like an uncle. We ha- yeah. I had him over at our house and we stayed up to like almost two o'clock in the oh, morning just wow. talking. And, and now we're going to do monthly check-ins. And, and so mm. it's just been really great. How do you feel like he's been moving for Dallas specifically as you guys have now established here? And it, even the surprise of, it is still a grind. It's probably going to be a harder grind as we mm-hmm. grow. But even with that surprise, like what are some other ways that God's been like revealing how he might be working with you guys in Dallas? Mm. You know, it was interesting. Dallas wasn't even on the radar. Like right. uh, I knew that I would be church planting back in late 2019, early two- 2020 i just didn't know where and i kind of i kind of was trying to pitch the idea to our sending church of like staying in california because our sending church is tapestry los angeles church and and uh, i was talking to pastor charles and i was pitching these ideas of like being in somewhere else in southern california or and largely because california's a great place you know we you know my wife grew up there i spent a lot of my adult life there but our family was there Mm. Uh, funny thing is though within that year or so like like our family started moving out of california and my brother who lived down the street he was like oh i don't think i'm gonna stay here either and so that that was like all right well they're not gonna be here and then pastor charles told he's like have you ever thought about dallas texas and i'm like no, I've never thought about Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and it was funny because he's like, you know, I've got, a, I've got a sister there. And my nephew was like, you know, Uncle Charles, like uh, Dallas could use an AMI church. And so Dallas came on the radar. We started having conversations with people. We took trips out, vision trips out. And we really began to see, oh, my gosh, God is really doing something in Dallas, in the greater Dallas area in North Texas. Um, just a few facts to throw out there. I don't know if you guys uh, listened to Freakonomics, the podcast, but they had a two-part special on why everyone's moving to Dallas. And right now, and I, I, I think it's safe to say that currently Dallas is still the fastest growing area in the States. Some people say even worldwide it might be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as I came out here and I was talking to local pastors, uh, this one pastor, actually he's not a friend of mine, Pastor Peter Park from Chase Oaks, we we're having breakfast and he was saying, yeah, you know, and he's, he's super like, you know, he's like, he's like a true seven. Like he's like, you know, uh. he's got like caffeine running through his <laughs> veins and he doesn't need to drink coffee. Like he was like pitching like Texas and Dallas and, and he's like, yeah, everyone's moving here. It's awesome. You know, even people from all around the world are coming. And that's kind of what sold me. Like mm-hmm. I knew people from California, the other states were coming, but when he said, this is not just a domestic move. It's a global migration. Mm. That was like, oh my gosh, God is not just doing a work for Texas or for people that are trying to come from other states. God's doing a global work. And and for me, the eight years I spent in Korea, I got to see God's work in so many different nations. And honestly, to come back to the States, I felt like it was taking a step back. Like, why would I go from a place where I was seeing God work in Southeast Asia, Africa, South America, mm. you know, in Europe, and just 
go back to like a local church scene. And then when, um, when he shared that, I was like, oh, maybe God's doing something bigger. Um, so that really excited me. And so I think in my own heart, in my own process, like I realized, well, God is doing something. And, you know, the church planting guru, his name's Phil Claycom. He actually said that right now, Texas overall, and, and especially this area, for the number of people that are coming in, they actually need more churches. They are lacking churches right now. And the old thing of like, well, you know, you got all of the mega churches. These mega churches can't really meet the need. And for the large part, like mega churches, they're doing a great job. But uh, I think it's safe to say that a lot of times mega churches, they ca- not cater, but there's like one primary demographic that is drawn to a mega church. But right now, you have so many people that fall outside of that demographic that need a church as well. And so I think that's kind of where AMI fits. I think uh, the blessing were for the transplant, but we're also for the person who grew up in Dallas, who just never felt like they may, they may have fit within that mega church setting. And so yep. there's a huge amount of people that find themselves within that, that category. So A wise man once told me that when a church is first starting to be built, it's like wet cement, right? There's an opportunity to... <laughs> Whether it's carving right words into it or just building a, a certain type of foundation, um, there's like a, a window of opportunity to make the church healthy from the get-go and to like establish a culture that brings people in and that loves on people and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, just kind of curious about y'all's vision in this short window, right? We talked about the hard launch coming up in February. What's y'all's kind of heart for how what what we want to carve into that cement at this mm. time? <laughs> Yeah, that wise man, he, he, he definitely is he, he, Dr. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny, like, I think because I like food, I like eating so much. I, I, I My analogy was Jello. You know, Jello, you have also that window before it sets and you can put everything you want. It doesn't have the same impact. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think, yeah, I think for, for us, it was, you know, honestly, I think a lot of our members really got encouraged and and convicted when he shared that like yeah this is that period that window where we can really set the culture and i think the first thing was like i think already so many of us have been setting the culture like you know jokingly he had said and i hope pastor ulysses is not listening to this but uh, (laughs) you know so one of our sister churches in Uh san jose like uh, the pastor it's that, you know, I wish my, my church would sing, you know, they just don't sing. And then I, uh, I was like, oh, I, well, we don't have a problem with singing, you know, like our, our guys are just like, and you guys feel it too, like Love during mm-hmm. worship, everyone's just like, you know, just yeah. so in it, you know, and like God's presence is so thick in that. And I think just people just being in each other's lives, like you can't really coach that. They brought, they already brought that in. Uh, so I think just that intentionality. I don't feel like people are pretentious either. I feel like people are just genuine. They're open. And so I think that's already setting the culture. People are, are giving. And the one thing that we want to set is just a missions culture as well. So even though we're a, a new church, uh, we've already committed to going on missions. And we want to send full-time missionaries. And mm-hmm. so I think vision-wise, yeah, there's already a lot that's already been written in that wet cement and Mm. yeah i think the few things that we do want i think we've already seen happening at the church as well so yeah it's it's been great 
Yeah, I feel like when we met up for coffee in July, we we shared like very briefly that we both, well, oh yeah, we would like like missions. And then the next question you guys asked, oh, would you guys like to go on long term missions? I was like, whoa, because <laughs> 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 we haven't talked, you know, in a long time. But you know, it's just a reflection of what is it that's in y'all's hearts, and not being scared to bring that up with members and plant those seeds or push them if that is something that they felt as still God calling. So yeah. that was definitely noticed. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's refreshing because the one thing that really brought me to like my actual faith, what I'll consider like real faith, was the idea of God being like a globally missional God. Mm-hmm. Like that was the kind of the powerful message that confirmed my faith, I guess, when I was really growing. Actually, there was a point in time where I was gonna, I was highly considering foregoing medical medical school even to to do missions. Not that that's a commitment right now to change course, but I'm well, to say more more signs for them yeah, to catch but, um, on. We'll be praying for yeah, it. Yeah, they don't they don't let these things drop. I've I've I've, yeah. I've seen them hold on to it. But no, I've I've just I don't know. I just got I just felt like a flurry of excitement to because right now it's hard to see how the missions will look down the road. But I got an excitement anticipating that next stage because that's coming and soon I think even for such an earlier church and yeah I'm just excited to be a part of that. So before we go deeper into that, because I do want to talk about that a little more, I want to close the church planting specifics by just asking what were some of the hardest parts and mm. the greatest joys. For example, Pastor Yoon had shared social media was a hard part of church planting for, <laughs> for him. But I, let me just, I love all oh, the stories good. and the posts. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah, thing, yeah, I think so. Like discovering something you never <laughs> yeah. knew you had within. Yeah. So if you haven't, check out at The Blessing Church. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beyond that, like, what are some things that like have been a struggle and a joy within this journey? For the past year, we were trying to develop a team of people that would go out to Dallas. Mm. And it was like, I think the hard part was being part of so many journeys at the same time. Mm. Pastorally, I had to kind of just pray with them and walk alongside of them. But at the same time, I'm also the guy that's going out and I'm wanting them to come out. Mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and so i need to be objective and in a way neutral but there's definitely in, in my heart i was like man i want this this couple to be there i want mm-hmm. this guy to be there it'd be awesome and so my heart was just like in so many of these journeys and a lot of times like you would find these people if they heard about this church plant they'd they would kind of, I don't know if the word fantasize is right, but they would think, oh, what if I went to Dallas? And and maybe something was going on in their life and Dallas maybe looked like greener pastures. And so they would reach out and, you know, I would start engaging with them and pray with them and, and walk with them. And it was just like tough emotionally for me because I felt like, oh, wow, everyone's really excited to go. And then slowly you're you know, you, you see people saying, well, you know, actually, I can't go, mm. you know, I, I work reasons or for other reasons. And so that was a hard part. It was like getting not rejected, mm-hmm. but in a way rejected. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like you wanted, you wanted it to happen, but it, it didn't happen. So emotionally, that was pretty tough, tough for me. I don't mm. know about for Becky, but that was really tough for me to kind of be emotionally invested in these people uh, and then to not have it pan out that way. I think um, like a joy has been, I think for me, especially the Friday nights, mm-hmm. um, just gathering in our home to worship, feeding, and sending people home with food. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that makes me so happy. 
And it's like done on such a small scale because we're small. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I do this. I don't know what part of, I don't know if it's an Enneagram thing, but I'm already grieving the mm -hmm. fact that we'll grow, even though yeah. that's the whole point of yeah, a church. Yeah. I'm, I'm appreciating and enjoying every Friday, yeah. like to the fullest, every second of it, just the banter and the conversations and the eating and all that. I, it's just so precious to me to mm. know everyone and, and what they're going through. So I think the beginning stages of a church plant has been so beautiful. Yeah. And I'm fully present and here for mm. it. So, mm. yeah. I miss Friday. Yeah, only one of us can go at most. Yeah, but we yeah, miss you guys. We yeah. love we love it too and I think just I also am grieving the bigger parts ahead, which yeah. is exciting, but there's like that intimacy yeah. in the yeah. in the small numbers and I think we're so grateful that we get to be a part of the small number time like that's yeah. this season. Um but that makes and probably Enneagram 4 thing. Um, but yeah, I think there is so much to be excited for. And I did want to make sure we touched upon the purpose I have with this podcast is even directed towards Korean community. Mm -hmm. And I love that you guys touched upon, right, like this intersection of globally, but also locally. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of people ask, like, why would there need to be a church in Dallas? But it just felt so right when I even heard that you guys were planting here. Mm -hmm. Um I will say when I looked up AM or looked up the church plant coming here, I only looked at, at it through the website mm. and I saw Yoon Lee and this is totally not, I don't know if stereotypical is the word, but I was like, Oh God, please don't let him be like Fabi, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and that just is a reflection yeah. of, I think some hurts I have yes. within the church and specifically like growing up in a Korean church. Right. Yeah. And that can be so different for so many of us, but there's a lot of that within yes. a lot of yeah. our hearts. And for me to have prayed that, like and if you meet Pastor Yoon, he's not uh, Fabi Yoonlin that I had in my mind for a second, which is not nothing bad about I, if I you were. I can try to be. <laughs> um, I think partly for for Matt, right? And I was praying for us together, but also just being real, like my own hurts, right? And mm. and for people that might be listening, what would you say? Like it doesn't have to be like, don't worry, guys, I'm not this way or something <laughs> like that. But what would be something you would say to someone listening that does carry those hurts yeah. in them? You know, so when I was thinking about this, it was really interesting because my own journey it carries a lot of those hurts as well. You know, mm. back in the, the first church I was serving at, I left after six years saying or vowing to myself, I will never work at a Korean church again. Mm. You know, it's funny. I, I, I never make vows and you know, <laughs> because like after that, I ended up working at the largest Korean church <laughs> in the world. Um, and... You know, it'd be easy to say, you know, just like, oh, forget the Korean church. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they're doing and just really dig into them in that way. But I guess for someone who also went through this journey, I realized that God had, had blessed me tre tremendously through the Korean church. You know, I know it's got it's got its flaws and faults, but I mean, if it wasn't for the Korean immigrant church, I don't think I'd be where I am right now. Yeah. And I think throughout this process, God has allowed me to look back and to be appreciative of that, to, to be grateful for that. So I would say, you know, one word would be healing and reconciliation. I guess, you know, healing to allow God just to heal whatever those wounds may be. And, you mm. know, I, I have had things that really did hurt me as well. And just reconciliation. I mean, I'm not saying that you need to literally return to that church that, right. you know, hurt you. But whatever was going on inside to allow God to minister to that part, to lay it to, to rest in a way that is you know really blessing to both parties and to bless the Korean church you know and yeah. i think there's just so many attachments and mm. so much you know baggage that's still there but 
I think if we really invite God into that place in our hearts and lives, that God can really bring that about. And I guess the second word is calling. Uh, I think the sense that I get when Dallas natives check out our churches, perhaps surprise or curiosity or, or what is this? You know, I think for myself growing up in Chicago and a lot of our other transplants, we grew up in the Korean church and are familiar with that paradigm. And at the most, we might have seen an EM come out of a KM, but to Mm -hmm. see something like the Blessing Church or uh, other AMI churches can be quite uncommon, uh, maybe for places like Dallas. There's something to get used to. There's like a period of acclimation to this new paradigm, a new type of church. Mm. And with this switch of paradigm from KM to EM to this like autonomous church plant comes uh, a call, a call to take the baton, to plant, to serve, and to lead. Mm. And it's interesting, you know, children are not supposed to stay children. You know, Jaden and Evan, they're cute. You know, they're so adorable, but you wouldn't want them to stay, no. you know. <laughs> they're like waking you up, you know, in the middle of the night and having, you know, to change your diapers. You want, your, your dream for them is to become men of God. Uh, and I think for a lot of us, we may be married, we may have careers, we may have our own kids, but yet perhaps maybe church-wise or spiritually, we might feel stuck that mm. we haven't moved past this paradigm of KMEM or, or yeah. parents and children. And perhaps this is this is the time to move past that. You know, we have people that have left their cities, sold homes, left their jobs and families to come here, feeling the call of God to plant the Blessing Church. And you know, I'm not saying it's easy. It will be hard. It will be challenging. But I definitely believe it's worth it. So, yeah. yeah. Can I add something to that too? Yes. I think just like encouraging our listeners to think critically about their walk with God. You know, right. kind of discerning what was cultural and what was biblical. And right. um, appreciating that, yeah, that there's Korean culture and there's good in it. But how are we making our decisions, you know? And what does church look like? And I think... Um, I don't know, we want to be part of that journey where we can help redefine what church is, what body should look like. And I think especially as we are predominantly Asian, even though we, you know, we aspire to be global, but right now God is bringing us a lot of Asians and hurt Asians. Mm -hmm. And I think we would love to be a part of their healing process of just learning that Christianity is performance-based, you know, and it's, so you have to do and you have to keep doing. And sometimes you just have to sit and, and, um, I don't know, wait before the Lord and, um, or even shame based. You don't want to share so much. Mm -hmm. It's always just, well, yeah, things are fine. Mm -hmm. You know, things are good. And, and to be able to be in that, that open book at a church. And so I think a lot of those things just kind of having to be addressed Mm -hmm. is, is a good start for a lot of these um, members that are returning to the church hurt or coming to the church with Mm -hmm. baggage. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp, the sponsor of this episode, is here for you. BetterHelp offers a broad range of over 20,000 licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Plus, you can get 10% off your first month with my code, betterhelp.com slash Kohler. With BetterHelp, you can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience, and all you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs before getting matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. 
As a mom constantly working around Jaden's toddler schedule, having my weekly therapy online has been a complete game changer and a huge reason why I have made big steps to better my mental health for myself and for my family. You can also request a new therapist anytime at no additional charge. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Don't forget to use my code to get that 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Kohler. That's betterhelp.com slash Kohler. No, I think that's really good. And, and kind of like to follow up in that is like, what does accountability look like within whether the network or within our church in the sense of for people I might know, it it was sin committed might have been something hurt mm. that we've experienced, but then how that sin committed was handled or actually hidden yeah. from people was yeah. even more of a hurt, right? And yeah. so I'm curious like how you guys choose to spiritually grow yourselves, but also what does that accountability look like as we form our own culture within the blessing. Yeah. So I think that question's pointed towards the leadership. And mm. I've seen, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of leaders yeah. fall and, and, you know, there's, you still see a lot of these stories come out of the news. I think one of the strengths of being part of this family really is they, they say, oh, we want to restore these pastors or, you know, they, we want to bring them back and, and, have them, you know, just walk with walk with the Lord again in, in a healthy and thriving way. But they, you don't really see it. But for the past two years, and even before that, because we were, we were very familiar with AMI, you actually see the leadership of AMI take pastors who have fallen, and they bring them back in. Like, mm. they, they go through a process of restoration. So they're part of the churches, not leading, but, you know, mm. they're, they're in the communities. And it's, it's amazing because it's not only the AMI leadership, but these churches will receive these pastors into the fold and help them go through the process of restoration and healing as well. And there have been pastors who have fallen, who have gone through the process of restoration, and now they're back in ministry again. Mm. And they're much healthier than they were, were before. It's amazing. And it's like, I think it's really good for the past. The pastor as well, but for the members to realize, oh, pastors, yeah, it's that whole shame-based culture, like we try to sweep everything under the rug, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's not really gospel-based. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus really is in the process of redeeming people mm-hmm. and pastors as well. And so um, with all that said, I think the one thing that we have, like we have these relationships. So, you know, I'm in uh, constant conversation with our sending uh, church, Pastor Charles, uh, we have our structure set up there where, you know, they're checking in on me. Dr. Ryan now is also part of my life. And even outside of AMI, I've actually got to, to know local church pastors uh, and we're, we're in relationships. So it's been a huge uh, support for me. And yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been a blessing. I think one thing for me too is as I was going to church on Sundays and seeing you preach, there was like a healing happening too of what I think I, even my heart and heart when I would see a Korean pastor preach. I don't know what it was, but like even just inside of me. Mm. And then I think seeing Dr. Ryan, who's an older man, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think I've seen many who, who, I don't know, it was just like a healing experience. Mm. And I think that was 
for me, like interesting, like, wow, I just have all these things that I carry within too, that mm. it's not like it's said, right. But there are just healing things happening. And so I just found that to be really cool of how he's allowing me to process just in the daily Sundays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to share about your journey or the church plant before we kind of have some fun questions? I guess. Yeah. Well, just, uh, we're, uh, in a new place. Uh, we were, in the Crosby Rec Center, crammed like sardines, but, you know, God's provided it for us. A really cool, hip place, you know, with tons of vibe. And so we're at the Plaza Arts Center in Carrollton. Uh, come join yeah, us. Still, yeah. still hip. I know, yeah, I know, just right? Hit. We're just <laughs> too cool, yeah. Um, yeah, so downtown Carrollton, we meet uh, at 11 on Sundays. Uh, so, yeah, feel free to join us. You'll see NG and Matt there. And so, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys. I think before we close it out, I think it's also helpful to hear from some members, aka me and Matt. Matt, how have you been blessed by the church? And or what is your favorite thing about Pastor Yuna and Becky? (laughs) My black (laughs) t-shirts. Oh, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. No, your your black t-shirts give me confidence to dress up as little as I feel like I need to for church. So that's that's helpful, too. no, such a it, nine answer, I think, like <laughs> the comfort for you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, no, it has been a big, I think, period of time for me. I think our involvement in the church just has been not great. And that's part of us to blame. I think part of the church yeah. to blame as well. And I think this this really was like a, a new start that we were confident in, but also right nervous about because it's, it's new and the whole thing is new. I mean, the first time we met y'all, I think there was just like an interpersonal enjoyment of just chatting and kind of hearing your guys your personalities and your visions and stuff just felt very comfortable Mm -hmm. and and yeah i think the church has just kind of reaffirmed that like maybe before anything it's just like feels like a comfortable place for people to just be like a family together like it's Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like there's pressure it doesn't feel like there's performance that's needed it's just like a safe place to kind of be and to enjoy each other and I think that spills over into just enjoying like the sermons and the cell groups and the Fridays. Um, there's an excitement to be there that I feel that I, I didn't previously for, for a chunk of time. And yeah, also think there's like a, a, a practicality to the way you guys approach leadership that I appreciate. Maybe that's a, is that a nine thing? I, I'm not very good at the Enneagram. <laughs> I, I appreciate when there's just right, like, like there's a practicality to the messaging and like the way you guys want to just live life, it doesn't seem kind of fluffed up. And I think the church embodies that. Like we just want to do things in a way that just builds people up. And so, yeah, it's, it's been good. I, I, <laughs> it, it, it's been a big thing for me. I think I was at a place for a little while. I, I blame it a lot on just the busyness of life, right? Kids and residency and med school. It's been a busy eight years. But at the end of the day, I think I use that as an excuse because I wasn't excited enough in my faith to go beyond that and i think i'm feeling that now it reminds me of when like pre-med school when i was just really heart abandoned in tune with god and and what he wanted me to do with my life and i'm excited to kind of trend back more and more towards that Mm. yeah thank you for sharing that you're welcome My favorite thing about Pastor Yoon is also his black shirt. But I think it's interesting, even even Enneagram-wise, like how your answer, like your why and the why you said, which is for like you not to have to dress up. But then like for a, a two with a wing one or wing three, like 
I like knowing what we'll expect to. I agree, like structure <laughs> builds freedom. And even like, oh, Pastor Yun will wear his black shirt. Not that like I think like that, but right, that also gives a consistency that's, it's safe. And I think these are all the structure things that you guys were talking about before. I think another pastor once shared like that structure allows you to experience the full freedom, right? Mm. And so whether it's a metaphor of the black shirt, which no pressure, you can wear white someday too, right? <laughs> or just in general, what you can expect with like those little wet cement characteristic yeah. traits it's like yeah. you go in there knowing that you're going to then get to experience that freedom you've been hungry for which mm. i think a lot of listeners and myself have been for quite some time mm. for for becky i think like i've noticed when i and i am a as a two a very vulnerable or a quick sharer and she like doesn't let that fall i think one of the prayer meetings i had shared a little bit about our marriage and even last friday when i was there in like the busyness of starting dr ryan's message like i was like oh we have to start soon like thinking like that but she's just like how's your marriage right and i think that's like it just like really impacted me because i think even those kind of questions were what i yearned for in our community in the past that mm -hmm didn't feel like that was there because of maybe other functional things too. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that when I share or when we share or like, you know, even potentially sharing about missions in our hearts, right? Like knowing those things won't just like fall in vain. And like, that's a reflection of like how we pray to Jesus, right? But that's mm -hmm. how we feel when we get to share with you. And maybe it's smaller number like advantage right now, but I think that's just from like learning. It's like, that's a part of mm -hmm. y'all's hearts is like a huge thing I've been grateful for. Like a pastor in Korea who we kind of have a connection with, a heart pastor had shared that you guys were like Jesus in like a time when they felt lonely. Like you guys were making food for them like Jesus or something like that. Mm. And I was mm. like, oh, wow. And I think just like to find people who have been in ministry for so mm. long but can always reflect his heart first is, um, yeah, a reflection mm. of where we would want to be. Mm. Yeah. And so... So yeah. Also, another reason is because on Saturday, somehow I finally, because when I joined this church, I introduced myself as Josephine because one, I just always grew up in a Korean church. So Unji just somehow happened and it stuck. And then over time, as biblically said, it should not just be on one like Koreanness, right? And so then suddenly people started meeting me, oh, Unji, I'll call you Unji. But then it became Yunji or Unji. And then, you know, people pleaser side of me. I was like, okay. But inside yeah. I'm like, that's not my name. My <laughs> name is Josephine. But all of that to say, when we were thinking of joining, joining this church, I was like, well, I should go by Josephine because it's not going to be a Korean church okay. and things like that. But at the same time, like I've always heard my name as Unji when I pray or different things like that, whatever. But my, my, my goal was to say, hi, I'm Josephine, but I go by Joey. But I was too scared to ever say the second part. Like, I go by Joey. So then I just said, I'm Josephine. And then it just like, yeah, have like all these other feelings with that name as well. Mm. Long story to say, on Saturday, I shared that. And then um, Pastor Yuna and Becky just like made it happen. They're like, okay, you're Joey, right? And then on Sunday, when I went to church, Peter already had a name tag for me written Joey. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then like just random people would be like, oh, I heard you go by Joey now. And they were like, it's very like Joey. But right, you have to, when you when you're going through a change, you have to make it stick. And it was just like so cool because I've been trying to make it happen in Houston for like the last three years and no fault to the people but also I said it very shy or very like I don't know and it it was like unnecessarily this identity thing for me and for for us we're just laughing about it right now but even just like 
support in that for you guys to say joey for me and like make that happen it's like a little metaphorical meaning for me new wineskins here in dallas where i love unji and i love who unji was in dallas but there was a part of me that didn't want just unji in dallas long story to say reveal has happened Cooler commentary with Joey. Joey. <laughs> you look like a Joey though. I like yeah, it. I like Joey. So cute. Yeah. I'm going to be the last one to yeah. pick up on this continuously. <laughs> it's okay. The more people do it. Yeah. You know, I just had a thought. Maybe you can leave Unji to when God's talk. You said God's yeah, talk. So yeah. maybe that's a more intimate yeah. thing. And, um, and then the rest of us can just call you Joey. Yeah. It's so cute. And sometimes that's why when I say enjoy at the end of the enjoy. podcast, <laughs> I'm really trying to go Unji, oh. Joey. Enjoy, enjoy, oh, whatever. Yeah, anyway, so th- that's my long winded answer of just little things we've been blessed by at the blessing. Nice. We're blessed by you guys. Yeah, we're blessed. Yeah. Totally Thank blessed you. Guys. How do you like Dallas now that you've been here? What's been the biggest, like, confirmed stereotype? Trucks, yeah, um, so many trucks out here, and just big. I mean, it's big and flat, yeah, like, big, <laughs> but. Honestly, like when I first came out in February, February, it was like the worst week to be here because Monday it was 80 degrees. By Wednesday, it was 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah ice yeah, storms. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what? That's a, that yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> I was like, what is this place? And I was like, oh, it's so flat. But then the next trip when I came out, you know, they say the highest place in, in Dallas is the overpass, right? So I was driving on the overpass and I looked out and like the skies were blue, everything was green. And this big flat became expansive mm. like the mental shift and i was like oh man mm. this is an expansive place mm. and so i was like oh this is really cool but that's one stereotype that i, I think it's a good thing <laughs> we love it yeah we people ask us if we miss um california i mean we do miss parts of it but we love being out here yeah, for sure we do yay stay here Woo! <laughs> um all right so quick who is more likely and that's how we, we'll end it Okay, so I'll ask you a question and they say one, two, three, and then you guys say either your name or your partner's name. Mm-hmm. Who made the first move? One, two, three. Yoon. Oh, okay. So this is the real truth. <laughs> Contrast to the story. Before. But. So follow up. Who said I love you first? One, two, three. Yoon. Oh. Wow. I don't like this game. <laughs> I like it. No, just Who wakes up earlier? One, two, three. Becky. Becky. Oh, what time? Oh, you said like four or five. I mean, I wake up at like 5.30 for work, yeah. And then on the weekends too, I try to wake up early. Yeah. Who's the better cook? One, two, three. Yoon. Sounds like it. (laughs) With all the the roasted (laughs) coffee made marshmallows. Another quality hinge which Joey wishes I had. Oh, good job. You tried to switch it up. Who keeps the home cleaner? One, two, three. Becky. This is united marriage. I know. Okay. Who is funnier? One, two, three. Yoon. I'm not sure. I think he's he's like he's like low-key. He's like ninja funny. Notice yeah. he didn't say Becky. He yeah. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, he didn't say me, so I think it's yeah. like him. It's kind of yeah. It's like oh, yeah, yeah, corny pastor humor, I think. <laughs> Who's more likely to throw down at karaoke? One, two, three. Becky. Becky. <laughs> For the energy and the singing ability? I think both. both. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She just has the talent. Who is more likely to say sorry first? 
One, two, three. Becky. Oh, oh, that's the only、right. answer that should be yeah, different. That's the only cute divided one. <laughs> you say sorry first. I'm usually sorry first. Oh my gosh, how cute!、Uh, who's the more hopeless romantic? <laughs> Sounds like we know the answer.、Yeah. <laughs> one, two, three. Yeah, <laughs> movie choices yeah. reveals that. And、um, last but not least, who prays more? <laughs> Oh, one, yeah. yeah, one, two, three. Becky.、Yeah. Oh, oh, what another great answer <laughs> to be opposite. Wait, I'm like really shocked. I feel like you. No, you pray more.、Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and this is the last question I ask all of my guests. If you were to describe each other in a fruit, what would you be and why?、Mm. That's how. I, th- I thought of it. Okay,、yes. go ahead. You're a you're a mango. Oh. And you're a mango because like you know some mangoes they can like be like tart. And like sprightly,、mm. but also be like nice and mellow,、mm. and like inviting. And so、mm. I think she has it. She's like fun, but also very inviting,、oh. so and smooth. Oh,、yeah. that's nice. And everyone nice. loves mangoes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I looked this up. Avocado is technically a fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,、okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel like avocados、oh. are. He's kind of like an avocado because first of all, guac, right? Everyone、uh-huh. loves guac.、Uh-huh. It's like the, per,、right. the the one dish that everyone kind of goes to at a party. So I、mm. feel like he's kind of like that、mm. at a party. Everyone just kind of、oh. touches base with him, and、uh. they kind of land on him. But also, I think avocados are very versatile.、Mm. Like if you need it for a smoothie, if you need it、that's、for a、true. nice cream, you know what nice creams are? No. Oh, nice. It's it's a dairy free yeah dairy free stuff yeah healthier ice cream it's like creamy oh you know man yeah it's creamier yeah um if you need it for anything I feel like he's been very adaptable I I don't know if I read too much into this but he's very versatile in what the environment is needed and so he'll just kind of go and do that and I think lastly I think it makes everything richer and I've always said to him that he's made my life richer、Aww. and so it's creamier richer and so I feel like he's like an avocado. I feel like this is one of the most well thought out answers I've ever heard <laughs> to this question. I was gonna say durian, but that as a joke. <laughs> He was like, "You stink!、And、no one likes you." I was like, "That's not nice." <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> well, if you've been listening, hopefully, if you're interested to come check out the church, please feel free to. And if you're still kind of like hesitant or want to learn more, because I could talk for hours too, learning about you guys. They want to grab coffee. Yes, that's something. Yeah, that's like something they always. Say maybe、mm. they'll make their slow roasted coffee. Who knows?、Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is just a snippet into what this past three months for us have been like, and just this community in general.、Mm. So thank you guys for making time to share today. Yeah, thanks. Thank, thank you guys. You. Thank you.、Um, well, thanks for listening to another episode of Color Commentary. It's actually been a month since we've recorded this episode, and I can only confirm greater love for this community, from the sweet children's ministry that loves after our Jaden with truth and joy, to the powerful prayers I have answered in our marriage struggles and postpartum anxieties. It is such a blessing to have a place we can call home. Many may not resonate with a.、Uh, More religious episode, but I hope for some this can be an encouragement and healing and renewal in your hearts. And if you are in Dallas, hungry or searching for a community of your own, come check out the Blessing Church this weekend. Or our official hard launch is February twenty six. See you soon. And if you like this episode, go ahead and rate it five stars. Thank you. Bye.